So we started a new series on Valentine's weekend. We're calling it Love Busters. And we, uh, it, it's based off of a book by a guy named uh, Dr. Harley. And we sold like 35 of his books last week. And I think we're out, but we're going to order. I'm going to order 50 more. And so we'll have them in stock next week. But Dr. Harley is a, is a, a clinical psychologist that practiced for decades. And he had a large practice in Minnesota that had 100 counselors underneath him. And so they primarily focused on uh, couples counseling, but relational counseling. counseling. So he's got uh, decades of experience. And in his book, Love Busters, he found six things that break down love in any relationship. And so and he doesn't really connect it to the Bible. um, But what's amazing to me is that, you know, in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 13, like the most popular a few verses on love, all of these six love busters are in these few verses. So this is our theme verse for this series. I want to, we'll read it together. Um, 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to start in chapter, uh, verse 4. And so Paul gives us a few things that love is. It says love is patient, love is kind. But I want you to notice he gives a whole list of things that love does not do. Love doesn't envy It doesn't boast, it's not proud, it's not rude, it's not self-seeking, it's not easily angered. That's our text this morning. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but it rejoices with truth. It always protects, it always trusts, it always hopes, it always perseveres. Love never fails. And so we're looking at things that we can allow in our lives and in relationships that break down love, that break up relationships. Now, this is marriage relationships. This is relationships on the job. This is relationships with your family. And so last week, we looked at the number one killer of relationships. It's selfishness. This is the number one killer across the board. doesn't matter what type of relationship you're in. When we get really selfish or another party gets really selfish, there's really no way to resolve that. Right, it's my way or the highway. And so the six love busters, I'm going to give them to you really quick. It's selfish demands is number one. Today, we're going to look at this, or I'm sorry, we're going to look at um, angry outbursts. So anger. So, 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 so Paul is saying that, that love gets angry, but it's slow to anger, right? It's slow to anger. So we're going to look at that. Disrespectful judgments is number three. That's the critic. That's the one who remembers everything you've ever done wrong your entire life. Come on, somebody, right? They are keeping an account of all the wrongs. No. Uh, the, the, the fourth one is, is dishonesty, right? That's just not telling the truth. That breaks down love in any relationship. Annoying habits is number five. And then the sixth one is independent behavior. That's just, I'm going to do my thing. I'm not going to ask you if you like it or not, right? I'm just going to do my own thing. I'm going, to, I'm going to be my own person. So we're going to look at these. And what I love about it is how they're all in those four verses, the most popular verses on love. It's read at weddings. I read it at every wedding that I've ever officiated. I have read those few verses. And it would be so great if relationships were that easy, right? But we know they're not. And, and one of the things that I know that I'm finding with any relationship that you're going to have for a long time, right, if a covenant relationship, a marriage relationship, a partnership, you're going to have to learn to navigate through people's bad days in your own. You're going to have to learn how to navigate through anger. Now, one of the things they say about love is that love attracts and then love attacks, <laughs> Right? 
And so how do we, you know, we like the attract part, but when the honeymoon's over and, and that's all wore out, how do we deal with each other's bad days? How do we deal with each other's anger? Because we all have it. We all get mad. It's part of every relationship. And so how do we navigate through those things? And I really believe with all my heart, before we jump into this, that God can heal any relationship in your life. Any relationship. That God is, you know, the one, like, I think at times that we need to allow the God who created relationships to cure them. Because it's, it's not our idea, right? It wasn't something that we came up with. Man didn't create this, that this relationship, if it's friendship or if it's a marriage partnership or relationship, if it's, these are all, these were all God's ideas. He knew in, in Genesis, the first, you know, they always talk about the fall in Genesis. And it was when the snake came in and Adam and Eve ate the apple. But there was a, there was a fall before the fall. And it was when God looked at Adam and said, it's not good for man to be alone. That's the first crisis in the Bible, not, not the, you know, eating of the, the knowledge of, tree, you know, of good and evil, but the first crisis was isolation. And when God created all the earth and he created Adam, he said, you know what, I'm, I'm missing something here. He needs relationship. And so relationship is something that God, God wants you to have healthy relationships, I believe that with all, God wants you to have life-giving relationships. He wants your marriage to be life-giving. But there's certain things that we have to look out for, and I think one of them is, is, is anger. Heard a story about a, a couple, and the husband was, was mad at the wife, and he says, how, when we fight, do you just stay silent and you never say anything back? And she says, well, I go and I clean the toilet. He's like, well, what does that have to do without, you know, with, with reacting and not getting mad at me? And he, she said, well, I use your toothbrush. <laughs> so, you know what I'm saying? And so we all, you know, deal with anger in different ways. You know, some are strategic. Some just kind of get, you know. But I want to <laughs> read this verse out of Proverbs. Proverbs talks a lot about anger. The book of Proverbs, there's dozens of verses in there about anger, about the dangers of anger. But just to give you the sermon in a sentence, I'm going to give you three things that anger, anger contains. And then I want to give you a few ways that, that anger can be healed in our lives. And so I want to read this verse to you, Proverbs 14, uh, verses 29 through 30. This is in the message, paraphrase version. So I, I like the way that, um, that it reads. It says, slowness to anger makes for deep understanding. But a quick-tempered person stockpiles stupidity. A sound mind makes for a robust body, but runaway emotions corrode the bones. It's amazing how Proverbs that was written hundreds and hundreds of years ago is confirming what science is finding now. And science is finding that, number one, dangerous, I mean, anger contains dangerous power. It's the kryptonite of the soul. It's what we read about. It's what sells right now, right? The person that, get, that just went wild and went crazy, and that's what we see kind of reported almost every day constantly is kind of the, the evils of the world. The person that, that just lost it, right? It's anger management. It's a story. It's a movie. At, I'm not proud of it, but I really like it. Uh, Adam Sandler and Jack Nicholson, right? Jack Nicholson's like the anger management counselor. And he's, and he's explaining to this group of people in anger management, he's, he's like, there's two types of angry people in the world. There's the person that buys their groceries and they're checking out and they yell at the, at the clerk for taking too long to check out their groceries. 
But then there's the clerk that puts up with the people every single day that yelling at her and getting mad at her and, and telling her she's not fast enough and she's not doing it right. And then she just explodes and punches somebody in the face. Loses her job, right? Now she's got to do some, some who knows, community service. Who, you know. and, and so there's this explosive and this implosive kind of thing. But anger is dangerous. There's a type of anger that can cause us to get in a, a lot of trouble. And science shows us, there's, I read this article in the Journal of Medicine. It was published in November of 2010, if you want to check it out. But it's, it's dozens of different studies that came together, and they just studied people that struggled with anger. And they found that it caused an increase in heart disease. It caused eating disorders. It caused anxiety. It caused insomnia. And so this, this article that is in the, the Journal of Medicine went on to say that anger is more deadly than anxiety, depression, and worry combined. That when we get angry, it stresses our, our body. It stresses our heart. You know, the writer of, of Proverbs says it rots the bones. What he was saying is that it causes things inside of us to go array. It causes things internally to happen. A few things, you know, that, that anger breaks down. Number one, it breaks down our body. When we get mad or we internalize anger, right, it, it breaks down our body. The second thing it breaks down is community, right? The quickest way to really ruin a relationship is to just go off the handle on somebody. And we've all done it. I mean, maybe not to certain degrees or we've all had it happen to us. And we try to just, I try to, you know, I really am bad about this when I'm driving, Okay, like I, ha I really, I really, like I have to tell myself, okay, that person that just cut me off and, 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 and you know, got in front of me and slamming on their brakes, maybe they're going to, you know, they're going to the hospital or something, or this is their, their form of grieving. They just lost a puppy and they're, they're, they're you know, I, I don't know, but I, I try to tell myself that, but I can get super, I can get angry, right? And, and so when we get angry and we go off the handle, nothing good ever comes out of that. It breaks down community. It breaks down relationships. It also, it breaks down our ability to make good choices. We never want to make permanent decisions when we're angry. Right? We never want to, one of the rules that I, and I, I don't, I know there's different rules for different folks. I, we at times, I have, I have spanked my son. I know some people don't do that. Probably like two or three times when he does something really crazy. But one of the things I don't do is, is I don't do it when I'm angry. Now, I'll take some time and get my, you know, get my, get back, like if he, like, throws something in my face or whatever, busts a window or, you know, doing something that boys do, I, I, I try to make sure that I'm not angry when I do that. So it's, I mean, we can, you can integrate that into every part of your life. When you get that email Monday morning from that person that you asked them to do something eight weeks ago, and they're just giving you an excuse after excuse after excuse, come on, right? And you want to just fire back at them. Sometimes it's the 24-hour rule, right? You know, just give it a little time. Because when we respond in anger, it breaks down community. We can't make good choices. It clouds our mind. And so anger has this, it, it's dangerous. It has dangerous power. But there's a side of anger that's actually good. The Bible talks about a righteous anger. This, this, this holy anger. That there's certain things in our life that we should be angry about. There are certain times in our life when we, we should get mad. And I'm going to call this defending power. Anger has dangerous power, but it also has defending power. And, and, and what that means is, Tim Keller said it the best. He's a, he's a pastor from New York. He says, it's a sin 
to not get angry. That there's certain things that come into our lives that, that when we get angry, it's almost God's way of saying that you can do something about that. It's, it's almost God's way of kind of tapping you on the shoulder and saying, getting our attention that, that there's an injustice happening in the world and you can't stand to see it go on. And so you get angry, you get mad, right? You get upset, you want to do something about that. Proverbs 16 verse 32 says that he who is slow to anger is better than the mighty. And he who rules his spirit is better than he who takes a city. And so the Bible doesn't call us to just be pushovers all the time and never get mad. Right? That was taught, I think, for a long time in church. And and so I don't think that that's what the Bible says at all. Jesus got angry quite a bit. He got mad at the Pharisees. He fashioned a whip. Right? He made it. So clearly it was premeditated. He came in the temple one day with a whip that he had made. So I don't know how long it took him to make it. Uh, at the tomb of Lazarus, it says he snorted like a war horse. He got angry at death because it took his friend. He got mad at the Pharisees all the time, right? Called them serpents and vipers. And, I mean, and so, so anger has defending power. It shows us things in our life that maybe God has, has called us to do something about. One of the fathers of the faith, John Christum, said this, He that is angry without cause sins, but he who is not angry when there is cause sins. Unreasonable patience is the hotbed of many vices. Exodus 34, verse 6, it's not in your notes, but it talks about that God gets angry. But thankfully, he says he's slow to anger, right? He's rich in kindness, he's rich in mercy, but he's slow to anger. So even God gets angry at times. So there's, there's a good type of anger. Imagine that every day when your child gets out of school, or if you have children, and at 5 or 6 o'clock they're playing in the neighborhood, and this truck comes blaring through there at 65 miles an hour. Cuts a donut in the cul-de-sac, right? Throw, throws rocks at your kid, and then takes off. And it happens over and over every day this is happening. So should we just let it go on? Or are you going to introduce him to your friend Smith and Wesson right next time that he comes? Because there's, a, there's an anger stirred inside of you because you want to protect what you love. It's a holy anger. It's a righteous anger. It's not an anger to protect yourself. It's an anger to protect somebody or something that you love. And so there's a good type of anger. It's a good type of anger. And I think the best question, if you get anything out of this, when we get angry, is, is, is we got to ask ourselves this. When we get angry, when we're driving down the road, I can get angry, right? Somebody cuts me off. I get mad. Who am I defending? When I lose it at, 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 my, at my spouse, I know y'all don't do that, but if you get, you get mad at your wife, you get mad at your husband, and y'all are fighting... Who are you defending? Somebody smears you on Facebook. They write some ugly comment about your mama or something. I don't know. And, and, and you know, so you're, you're all upset and you're mad and you're just, just spitting mad. Who are you defending? So I think a lot of times anger is, is it can be misplaced. I think the anger that God calls us to is an anger to protect someone or something that we love, and it's normally not us. It's somebody outside of ourselves. 
Tim Keller says it like this, that, that anger, that true love gets, gets angry. God talks about how he's a, he's a jealous God. It means he doesn't like anything messing with his children. He doesn't like anyone messing with his children. When we think about jealousy, we, you know, sometimes we can think about it as a, as a bad attribute. But God says, no, no, I get mad when my kids are picked on. <laughs> right? You can talk about me. You can come after me, but my children. And so there's this defending power that God calls us to. Now here's, here's where it goes wrong, I think. We have da- it's, it's, anger has dangerous power, has defending power. But then the third thing is anger has disordering power. Disordering power. Now, what does that mean? St. Augustine, another father of the faith, he believed the biggest obstacle to Christian love was disordered loves. That we love the wrong things too much. Now, I think about my life, and I think about the times that I've gotten really angry. It's typically because I love the wrong things too much right we make we make little g gods we take little g things good things but we make big g gods out of them and we tell ourselves well i I can't live without this that's my house you can't have that house anybody ever been there that's that's my stuff you can't have my stuff i want you know i have a i'm not going to say his name but i have a family member who went through a, a bit of a violent divorce decades ago, and um, the judge ruled that, uh, that, that, that everything would get split down the middle, and he was furious. And so he, he, he did exactly that. He got a chainsaw, and he went into the house, and he cut the couch in half. He cut the TV in half. Y'all think I'm joking. I'm not. He cut the cat in half. No, I'm just kidding. No. <laughs> he's still in prison for that. No, but he, he, he cut everything in half. Now, again, he's probably, I mean, relationships get messy, but, but is he angry about the wrong things? Have you ever been angry about the wrong things, these lesser loves? Who cares about the house? Who cares about stuff? You can get more stuff. You can get more money. You can go make plenty of that. But it's when we make these lesser things God. And we can do this in relationships. This is tough, y'all. This is tough. When we try to get something out of a person that we can only get out of God. When we try to get out of our spouse what God's saying, you can't get peace out of them. You got to get it from me. You can't get fulfillment out of them. There may be times of fulfillment there. But when we take small G's, right, and make them big G's, good things, we make them God things, our anger, right, and our loves get get out of order. And so disordered love creates disordered anger. And when I care so much about getting to work on time that I flash my 9mm out the window at somebody, I may have some disordered loves going on, right? I may need to talk to somebody about that. And it happens every day. It's, I, didn't even, I don't want to even give the statistics, the road rage statistics right now. People are mad. They are mad. I mean, you go to the grocery store, they're fighting over peaches, y'all. I mean, they're fighting, I mean, just crazy stuff. Like, it's wild. People are on edge. And I think maybe it has something to do with we're love, we love the wrong things too much. Love is furious. Song of Solomon said that, that love is furious and only God can handle the love of the human heart. And when we try to love lesser things, we'll destroy it. God said, you got to point that love at me. So, so anger can be disordering at times. Our biggest problem, according to St. Augustine, was disordered loves. 
We love the wrong things too much. And so what do we do? How do we, I think, I think the Bible is, is clear on this, on how to, how to handle anger. So it's not no anger. It's not blow up anger, right? I'm going to cut everything in half. I'm going to show up and just punch you right between the eyes. Like it's, that's kind of blow up anger, but it's slow anger. It's a surgical strike. It's, 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 it's premeditated. I think that the people that demonstrate this the best is the men and women that defend our country. Navy SEALs. I've been on a Navy SEAL kick the last couple of years. I'm reading a book right now called Controller. It's, it's a raw book, so don't, if you, it's this over 21 book. But it's a, a Navy SEAL who writes about his missions and the things that he's seen in these missions. But what's amazing to me is that when there is evil in the world, we don't just blow up the whole continent, right? Which we could. It's surgical strikes. They come in, they have what's called HVTs, high-valued targets. They know where the evil is. They know how to get to the evil. And they'll come in in a home full of people and get the two or three people that they need to get. They don't blow up the whole house. They don't blow up the whole block. They don't take out the whole city. It's surgical strikes. It's precision. It's slow anger. Slow anger. And I think when it comes to relationships, when we get mad at people, it's not the person that we want to go after, it's the problem. Right? We know that we've kind of entered into blow-up anger when we're just, we're just clotheslining the person. You've got a character flaw. You always do this. You never do this. Right? We're using words that are just broad. We're painting big strokes. But it's small surgical strikes. It's specific things. So we don't go after the person, we go after the problem. That's what our SEALs do every day. We just read about it, what, a few weeks ago, there was a mission in the Middle East where they went in and they took out this one, right, this one, one high-value target that could cause a lot, of, a lot of problems. And they do it specifically. They do it secretly at times, right? They do it in the cover of night. And, 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 and they don't just take out everything and everyone. It's not this blow-up anger. It's specific, I think that's maybe that's the best illustration I could find. Maybe that's what God has called us to do. It's not to take out people, but when we get close to people in our life, we're going to start seeing things, right? When you, when you get married, you, 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 you come together before you get married, and you're just showing the best version of yourself to your spouse, right, your, that other person. I mean, it's, it's so cool. Until, and, then, and then, you know, so cute. You know what I mean? And, 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 then, you get, and then you get married, you know, right? And then you start seeing all the stuff they, they hid for those months and years that you dated. And you see all the imperfections. And so how do you deal with that? Do you just take out the whole person and just start over? I'm just, come on now, I'm just trying to be, no, you, you, it's like a sandpaper. It's, it's, it's how we get sanctified. It's, we call, it's speaking the truth in love, and it hurts, right? It, I mean, there's going to be things that we may have to sacrifice. There's going to be things that we may have to let go of. And so how do we, if, if we, you know, how do we heal this type of anger in our lives? I think there's a few things that we can do. I want to read James Chapter 5 to you really quick. It says, therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other. Why? So that you can be healed. And so there's something powerful when we're willing to just tell somebody the truth and admit it. Number one. 
There's something powerful when we ourselves know that we struggle with anger. I think anger is, is the closest emotion to addiction. Somebody that struggles with anger, they want to hide it. They don't want nobody to know about it. And a lot of times they don't even see it. They don't even know. And one of the only ways to, to really get healed from this stuff is to admit it, right? Is to just, hey, I, I, and not repress it. You know, God hasn't called you to just keep getting abused over and over and over. God hasn't called you to just get taken advantage of by everybody. No, no, no. You got to stop somebody and say, hey, when you do that or say that, it hurts me. May have never heard that before. When you get mad and you just start clotheslining everybody on the job site, that doesn't really look good for you or for the company. Somebody may never have said that to that person. Or, or, or if it's in a close relationship, it's a friend, it's a family member, and everybody knows that Aunt Sally is just going to blow up on everyone at Thanksgiving, but nobody's, like, everybody's afraid to confront Aunt Sally, right? Because the police got called last time. And so it's like we're, we don't want to do it, so we just let it keep going and we repress it or we just kind of internalize it. And we know that, that, that no anger is just as bad as blow-up anger because if we just keep pressing it down and pressing it down, it's going to come out. I heard one, one psychologist said that, 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 that anger is, is, like, is, is depression manifested. And when we get mad and we just internalize it, it turns into bad stuff. So we have to admit it. We have to tell somebody, hey, when you say that, it hurts me. When you, when you say this, it hurts me. Dr. Harley, in his book, Love Busters, again, he's a, he sat with a lot of couples. He said that when, when somebody has an angry outburst, he calls it a form of temporary insanity. Because a lot of times they don't realize it. And so he counsels couples. He says when, they, when, they, when this happens, record them. Bring it back to the session and let them see it. Let them hear it. And he said nine times out of ten, they don't remember 95% of what they say. They just blow up, right? Blow up anger and they just go wild and then they cut like it's like this kind of the Hulk, right? The Hulk was just in town just, just like this weekend for Pensacon. They turn into a different person and when they come back to reality, they don't know what they just did. Now, I know this is small scale, but do you know anybody like that? If they're here with you, don't, don't look at them. Just look straight ahead. Well, how do you help somebody like that? You call them out. When you get mad and you say those things, that, it hurts me. It, that upsets me. That, that you're causing damage. You're, this is dangerous. This is not good. This is a love buster in our relationship. It's breaking down our relationship. It makes me not want to be around you when you're like that. I love you, and I know that's not you. But when you get like that, Hulk, I don't want to be around you. <laughs> so we admit it. We confess it. But then we call the people out in our lives that maybe they don't even know it, and they're doing it, and they could have gotten away with it for so long, nobody's ever called them out on it. Right? No, like, are they in a position of high leadership, and nobody wants to confront them and tell them that, hey, the way you're talking and treating people is not right. Again, this is, tough. this is a tough series, y'all, I know. But we're, we're shooting for unconditional love, right? We, God has called us to love our neighbor as ourself. And if you were going Hulk mode on people every afternoon, wouldn't you want somebody to sit you down? Like, hey, brother. Second thing, how do we heal anger? We analyze it. 
So what's causing it? I admit it. Okay, well, let's talk through this. What is it that, what are your, your, your you know, what are these points of contention that cause you to, to go off the handle? What does that look like? Proverbs chapter 4, two verses there. It says, don't testify against your neighbor without cause. Would you use your lips to mislead? Do not say, I'll do to them as they have done to me. I'll pay them back for what they did. Now, I want you to like kind of let's let's get into the shoes of the writer of Proverbs here. Now, this angry person is talking about revenge. They hurt me. I'm going to hurt them back. They stole my dog. I'm going to steal their dog and their cat. Right. They 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 punched me. I'm going to punch them back. And and we know that that's kind of the way the world operates but Jesus took the law of the Old Testament and he took it to a higher level. He said, listen, if somebody slaps you, turn the other cheek. Somebody takes your coat, give them, give them your cloak, right? And, and so this person in Proverbs, what are they doing? When, when somebody wronged them, they're talking to themselves about it. I'm going to get that person, right? They're internalizing it. I'm going to lawyer up and I'm going to sue them for everything they got. Henry Cloud, he, he, does co- he wrote a book called Boundaries, and he talks about when somebody is in this point of anger and they're mad, he talks about this story where he was called in to this company to try to bring resolution. There were some disagreements between the board. And one of the guys got up and slammed his hand on the table and said, I'm not going to stop until I bring this company to the ground. And so does somebody just enter into that kind of anger or have they been ruminating on it for months and years and bitterness has built up? And so we've got to ask ourselves, if, if I'm an angry person, what is it that's pushing my trigger? Like, what is it that's causing me to get off, off kilter here? But then the other side of that is, is if there's somebody in my life that I really care about and I know that they get mad in certain seasons and in certain situations, how can I protect them from that? Right? Maybe there's some meetings that you just don't need to be in anymore. I'm, I, I'm at that point now. There's just some meetings where it may be better if I don't go. Because <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty passionate about this. And I'm, I'm, I'm really, you know, and so I'm going to let somebody go in that maybe has a better skill set on this than I do. Because I know the last meeting that I sat in this, I, I, my, my hypertension went a little bit through the roof. Right? My blood pressure went a little bit up. And, and so, so maybe there's, so we're analyzing it. We're looking at it. We're not ruminating on it. We don't have a plan on how we're going to get back. This is, this is good preaching, y'all. It's so quiet. I'm going to hate me in my own cell. Okay, I'm not, I'm not giving you this stuff like I've mastered it, all right? I'm, I'm still in the laboratory with this because I can, just yesterday, I, I was driving back from, the, from north of here and I had to like repent three times, you know, like just, just anyways. Y'all pray for me, all right? I'm going to read this last verse and then, and then we're going we're gonna to pray. We're going to look at the third point, Romans chapter 12. This is kind of a sermon in, in, a, in a verse here. Don't repay anyone evil for evil. There's a better way to live, right? Be careful to do what is right in the eyes of everyone. If it's possible, (laughs) may not be. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Do not take revenge, my dear friends. But here's the key. Leave room 
for God's wrath. For it's written, it's mine to avenge. I'm going to repay, says the Lord. On the contrary, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. In doing this, you're going to heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. That's some hard verses there. This is a challenging word, and I know that. So this is what I, I, I want to try to, to, to illustrate so that we can see before we, before we go and, and we're going to pray. I have a son. I've talked about him a lot. He's five. You know, and he's getting now to where he can really put good sentences together. Right? Like he can, he can, he can talk back pretty well. Uh, I mean, he's great at it. And, and um, there's, there's been a few moments. You know, I, I, tell, I tell people in premarital counseling that marriage is a lesson in selflessness. That's what it is. But the real, the real lesson comes when you have kids. I thought that I was a pretty humble guy and that my world didn't revolve around me until I got married. And then I knew, okay, it, just, it was just all I had to worry about was my calendar and what I wanted to do and had to do. But then I had a, you know, then I had a child. And then it went to a whole nother level. But, the, but, you know, I love my son more than anything. It's like my heart outside of myself. But the last year, you know, it's been a little challenging. <laughs> you know, he'll, he'll, he said some very hurtful things. Like, very hurtful things. Like, like, like have you been watching Netflix, son? Like, like, like where, where are you getting this? Like, I mean, just very mean. Like, like you, you know, just, just and I don't want to repeat it, but just, it, I mean, it hurt. And there was a few things that, that I, I felt like I could do in that moment. I could just, when he's like that, I could just hide from him, right? Let's just return the lock around on the outside of the door, lock him in his room, throw some cheeses on the floor. Like, you just, when you're done, me and mom are going to be in here. You know, remember, you're a guest in this house. We invited you here. Right? I could do that. I could fight back because I know every your mama joke in the book, and I got some good ones, right? Right. I mean, when he says something bad, I, I mean, I've been doing this cut down thing my whole life. Like, I can just fight right back. And that's not the answer. I tried that. <laughs> He's got better cut downs than me at five. I mean, or you can absorb it. You just take it hurts it's tough it's painful and I believe this is the bedrock of the gospel and this is what God has done for us in the last few moments of Jesus life he's in the garden of Gethsemane and he's talking about this cup that he didn't want to drink from and I didn't know what that cup was for a long time really until I studied for this sermon and that cup in the Old Testament is often, most of the time, when he talks about the cup of God, it's the cup of his wrath. And that Jesus took not only the wrath of God and he absorbed it, he took it upon himself. How do I know this? Well, because he was perfect. He was sinless. And somehow we found a way to kill him. David Wilkerson said it. He said that in the Garden of Gethsemane, what happened 
was that God put all the wrongs of me and you on this one man. And when he was sweating, these great drops of blood were coming out. That's when your nerve endings start to burst in your skin. It's only happened like World War I, World War II, when they would torture prisoners so bad, they would sweat blood. So what was, what was he carrying? What was the anxiety? It was my anger. It was my wrongs. It was my pain. It was my mess-ups. Not only that, it was the cup of the wrath of God because he also, he needed to be made right. The wrongs of the world. My wrongs and your wrongs. And he absorbed it. And he gets to the cross and the people that are nailing him on the cross, he looks around and he says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And when I think about my son and when he says those things that hurt really bad, he don't know what he's doing. He doesn't realize that his words can be weapons at times. And aren't you glad that when you dished it out in your life, And when you got angry and when you made mistakes that God didn't hold you accountable for everyone, he says, I'll I'll take it. Give it to me. And that's the beauty of the God that we serve. That's the beauty of the gospel. That's, That's the heart of forgiveness. That God took my anger and your anger and the anger of the people in our lives because it's not just, I know that it's not just angry people in here. You have been hurt by an angry person. Most of you in here probably have a story that we could sit down over coffee and you could tell me about that uncle that had anger problems or grandpa or maybe somebody in your family even closer or the coach. It's, it, we've all been affected by this curse of sin. We all have stories of pain and problems. But there's a God who said, you know what? Give it to me. I'll, I'll take it. When you get angry, give it to me. When, when, when you're hurt by an angry person, give it to me. I'll absorb it. I'll I'll take care of that. I'll pay the price for your anger and for your pain. And I'm so glad that he did. And that's the one thing that we have to look to every time we get mad, every time we get upset, every time we want to react. Who am I defending? Who, Who am I standing up for here? Am I fighting for my ego? Am I fighting for what I want? Because there's a righteous anger that God's called us all to have, and we may need it one day. But until that point, Jesus is our model. He's our message, and he's our means. He's the way that we don't fight back. He's the way that we don't return anger for anger. He's, He's the way that instead of lowering up and spending all that unnecessary money, we just say, you know what, you can have it. God bless you. I want you just to bow your head this morning because I, I know that there's this is it's a tough message and I know there's people in here that your pain is real and what you've faced and what you've been through. I'm not discounting that. But when Jesus said on that cross, for all to forgive them, I think unforgiveness is contained anger. When we hold on to a grudge and we can't let that person go and we're so mad for what they did or, or didn't do, Forgiveness is a gift that God wants to give you. It's not for the other person. 
And so I just want you right now just to open your heart to the Holy Spirit. Is there somebody that comes to your mind? Is there someone in your life that maybe you need to just forgive them? Maybe that person is you. Maybe you know you've got some, some anger problems and you've made some mistakes and you've said some things that you wish you could take back. You've done some things that you wish you could take back. You don't even realize it at times. I think Jesus is calling us all to himself and he's saying, give it to me. Your mistakes, your sins, the, the things and people and places that have sinned against you and have hurt you, give it to me. I took it all on the cross. That's what he's saying to us this morning. You can't carry it around. You can't push it down any farther. You, you can't contain this stuff. You, you, gotta, you gotta give it. And so Lord, we just thank you for your healing power. We thank you, Lord, that there, there is a, a cure for anger. There is a cure for pain when we're hurt or sinned against. And it's, it's your grace, it's your mercy, it's you. And so Lord, we just receive that today. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said amen.